And losing your hair on top of gaining weight <laughs> was really difficult for me to to keep and maintain a very strong self-image. I would look in the mirror and say, Tracy, are, are you in there? Where are you? You do not look like the same person I have known for 54 years. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and creative guests who are changing the way we think about what is possible in our lives, especially as we age. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. And I love to hear from my listeners. My new website, ZestfulAging.com, is up, and it makes it easy for you to leave comments or suggestions. As a psychotherapist with a specialty in food and eating issues, I know that the holidays can be a real challenge when it comes to food. Food and family visits are often a tricky combination. So if you'd like to learn how to have a more peaceful relationship with food, eating, and your body, both during the holidays and the rest of the year, check out my web course, The Wisdom of Mindful Eating. This course is super practical and it's user-friendly. It has the power to change your life. You'll find the course on the website, zestfulaging.com. Our music is provided by Judy Banker, who was a guest on Zestful Aging. Her CD, Buffalo Motel, will be out in January of 2020. Find out more about Judy at her website, judybanker.com. Well, I've got my Jack Russell Sparky right by my side, so let's begin. Today we're speaking with Tracy Higginbotham, who's a successful businesswoman and an athlete who's been battling alopecia, which is an immune disorder that results in hair loss. She's been battling alopecia for 20 years, and she's been blogging about her life as a bald woman. She has a book under the rose-colored hat coming out. It's going to be published in December 2019. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, tell us to just start off, what exactly is alopecia? Well, alopecia is an autoimmune disorder that affects 6.8 million people worldwide. And it is, so your, your good cells within your body think that your hair cells are foreign entities. So they attack them um, doing their job, being kind of overzealous uh, soldiers, and <laughs> mm. they attack, they can attack hair just in certain spots, um, your whole head of hair, your whole body of hair. And there isn't a cure at the moment. I've, I've had it since I was 25, but never became totally bald until two years ago. Mm -hmm. And does it relate at all to menopause? 
You know, that's really interesting. I went through menopause a couple of years ago, so I do believe that there is a connection, even though for me personally, in terms of going totally bald, but there are children um, that have it from the time they're born or adolescents, young professionals. So it doesn't have to be related to menopause, but you know, for me, I think the total balding happened around the time that I was going through my changes. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to go through at one, <laughs> in one phase. Can you talk a little bit about what that's been like for you? You know, because I've been a public speaker and I have run um, a company uh, for women entrepreneurs, you know, looking good and looking professional when I speak and when I address people is really important to me. And so when you, I think there's not enough discussion about menopause and how our bodies morph and the fact that women do lose um, their hair. There is thinning of hair in general. So you go from this, I swear it happened, you know, right at the age of 50. You know, I was in wonderful shape, thin. I had just run the Boston Marathon in 2017. Mm. I was just, you know, I was always in control of of how I looked and uh, how I felt about myself. And then menopause started adding uh, a weight to my body, even though I wasn't changing my exercise routine or my eating routine. And then on top of that, I started losing my hair. Mm. And losing your hair on top of gaining weight <laughs> it was really difficult for me to, to keep and maintain a very strong self-image. I would look in the mirror and say, Tracy, are, are you in there? Where are you? You do not look like the same person I have known for 54 years. And everybody would say to me, but you are the same person. But I couldn't find and identify with the person that I was because I looked so different. That must have been extremely jarring. You know, it really is. Somebody said it to me very succinctly, which was, Tracy, you lost your self-identity. And I think that that was the truth. That was the bottom line for me. And last year when I was, it was starting to fall out, I didn't know what was going on. So first I was just concerned about my general health and trying to find out what was happening. I come from a family of doctors and so I'm my own best care advocate. So I went to the Mayo Clinic and made sure that there wasn't something else happening besides the alopecia. But I hid. I didn't do events. I notified my customers, which are all women. So they were so wonderful and gentle with me about take as much time as you need, Tracy, before you come back. But this year really has been the acceptance because I went bald totally uh, November of last year. And this year has been about uh, publicly announcing, sort of coming out of the closet as a bald mm. woman. And um, there have been people that have done fundraisers for me. Um, so I'm getting more comfortable now kind of with who I am, but it's still a process. Mm -hmm. And when you're out in public, what are the responses that you might get from people? Right. And so the thing about wigs 
is I don't like wearing them, <laughs> especially when it's warm. It's just uncomfortable. It's in, I live in Syracuse, New York, so we have a beautiful summer and we can get very hot and then we're very cold in the, in the wintertime. So what I found out uh, that made me most comfortable was wearing a rose-colored hat, which matches my brand, which is pink for women, because I help women entrepreneurs, and I want women to support women in business, sports, equality, and life. So in wearing my pink hat instead of a wig, but having no facial hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, no hair that anybody could see, many people think that I have cancer, Mm -hmm. especially breast cancer. And that's really part of what the message under the rose-colored hat was about is the compassion that I felt from so many strangers that saw me didn't stop to ask me what was wrong with me, but naturally assumed that I had cancer. Mm -hmm. And I would feel guilty sometimes when, you know, one time I was, a nurse was withdrawing blood for for me and she started crying and she didn't say anything. And she said, excuse me, I've got to walk out the door. So she walked out the door and I didn't know why. And she came back in. I could tell that her eyes were teary. She still didn't say anything. She finished drawing my blood. And as I got up to leave, she said, can I hug you? And I said, sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And she said, my mother just died of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, I didn't want to uh, not validate her feelings of, of loss. So I didn't say I don't have breast cancer. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to, you know, I've had to navigate that really carefully when people say it, because if there's the opportunity to say it's alopecia and inform them, I will. But if I feel that it's that they need to remember somebody or make themselves feel better, I don't say anything. I let them think whatever it is about me. That's a strange dilemma. It, it really is. I was, I was at lunch with one of my really good friends and we were walking out the door and I had my rose-colored hat on. This woman I literally is kind of running through the restaurant up to me and she goes, excuse me. And I said, yes. And she said, I was just diagnosed with bile duct cancer. It, it's really bad. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry about that. And she said, what do you have? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I have alopecia. It's an autoimmune disorder. Um, it's not cancer. I said, but I love giving women who need hugs, hugs. So I'd love to give you a hug if I can. And she said, that would be great. So I gave her a hug and I wished her well. And I walked outside and my friend said to me, that must be really hard on you. And I said, well, it makes me, it makes it hard for me because I f- I'm very empathetic. So I feel for the people that have a disease that's maybe possibly more uh, difficult and life-threatening than mine is. But if I can help them in the moment, then it's okay. And I don't mind. So Mm -hmm. it really, for me, it's about letting other people show me the compassion that they want to give to me. And and yeah, no, I'm just thinking about this, this idea of being misunderstood, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, being misunderstood, that not Everyone knows what alopecia is, and and so the sort of the misunderstanding there, perhaps, and also then them thinking it's something else, and you have to clarify. Right, right. And if you saw me, I'm I'm I come from very healthy, <laughs> round Italian women. I do not. I mean, I look very healthy in all other ways, except missing my hair and my eyebrows and my eyelashes. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I don't think I look like I'm sick, um, mm-hmm. but I think just the perception of having no hair and especially mm-hmm. the no eyebrows and eyelashes, you know, people assume I'm going through chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is I have one of my best friends is actually in her second bout of breast cancer. And we said to each other one day, she said, you know, people assume, you know, know that you have a health issue because of the way you look. But people like me who have breast cancer that don't look ill from the outside do have it. And people don't know it. So it was just kind of an enlightening moment. I hope that anybody that needs the kind of love and compassion and understanding that I've received from the public could share their stories a little more because if they needed the support, sharing the story as difficult as it may be, may be helpful for them. Mm-hmm. I, I see. Hey, Zestfulagers. Last year, I attended the International Federation on Aging's Global Conference in Toronto, and they've announced the 15th Global Conference on Aging for Niagara Falls, Ontario, from November 1st through 3rd, 2020. Zestful Aging Podcast is a proud partner for this conference, and I encourage you to all consider attending. The conference features prominent experts presenting and discussing critical issues within the field of aging. So head on over to ifa2020.org to learn more, and I hope to see you in Niagara Falls in November. So, have you reached a point now where you're no longer trying to look as if you don't have alopecia? In other words, you're saying the wigs are not working for you. You know, you obviously, you know, I don't know how the lashes go. Mm-hmm. But I guess you know, there's this level of acceptance, it sounds like you've reached that you're, you're kind of not going to fight it anymore. Is that right? Well, it's true in some ways, and in some ways it isn't. I end up wearing my wigs, and I just had a beautiful, beautiful wig donated to me from Genesis 2, which is here locally, that gave me, it was a $2,000 real hair wig. I got it two weeks ago, and so I could wear it for the renewing of my vows in Florida with my husband and my two sons. I wear the wigs for other people. I don't wear them for myself. I don't need to look like who Tracy was. I'm okay with looking in the mirror, but I realize when I speak and when I'm with my sons and my husband or I'm at special occasions, I'm going to a funeral tomorrow, I'll wear the wig for other people. I don't want other people to worry about me, Mm -hmm. but for myself personally, I'm comfortable with who I am and what I look like, which I don't know if if I would have accepted the changes of what I look like in menopause if it wasn't for also the changes that I was going through losing all my hair. Mm-hmm. Because we change. We change. I don't think anybody speaks about it. I remember my mother saying to me, who's a very petite, you know, five foot one, um, athletic uh, dancer. She said, Tracy, I was thin right up until the time I turned 50. And right after 50, I just changed. It was in my genes. You know, the history of the women in our family are, 
are kind of round. And I said, Mom, you never told me about that until like this is happening to me. Why don't mm-hmm. women share this information with others? I mean, it's kind of depressing in one sense, but you know, it, it's an awakening to a second part of your life that you might not be prepared for. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it has a lot of uh, ability to apply to other people who are struggling with their self-image or mm-hmm. acceptance. Ha- can you talk a little bit about that? I, I definitely can. You know, I was very lucky and blessed to be uh, related related to my mother. I mean, she was a teacher Uh, taught dance to the deaf. And she was very liberal minded when I was young. And one of the things that she always did is she loved cooking five to seven course meals (laughs) and invite very different, diverse people to our table. So at any point in time, there could be a Catholic priest, a deaf student, a gay artist, uh, a blue collar next door neighbor at our table at any point in time. And so I learned that it doesn't, doesn't matter who people are in terms of what they look like, what they do, what their sexual orientation is, what the color of their skin was, or how much money they had, or what kind of car they drove. It mattered that they were good people, kind Mm -hmm. people, and interesting people. And those were the individuals that were invited to our table. And so I think during this process of losing all my hair, and part of the message under the rose-colored hat is the fact that everybody has probably something about them that's not perfect. And that if you're missing uh, an arm or you have a big birthmark on your face or you know, you've know you gained that weight from menopause or you're deaf in one ear, it doesn't matter. It matters, but it shouldn't. What, what matters about people is, is their spirit and their soul and if they're kind and if they're wonderful and if they're generous and if they're empathetic. And I think right now in our country where there's so much decisive energy with people sort of segmenting people out in our communities, in our globe, I just don't see that. I really look for individuals and attracted to individuals that have just fantastic uh, outlooks on life. And to me, that matters more than anything else about somebody and the way they, they look. Yeah, it's interesting, because it sounds like you grew up with that philosophy, and it was ingrained in you. But then you really had to walk the walk, right? I mean, it's one thing being a white woman, Mm -hmm. middle class, whatever, and living with privilege, Mm -hmm. and being able to appreciate it. But you really had to sort of put your money where your mouth was. Yeah, I really feel uh, at the time that it was happening last year, I felt like God paused me, paused my life. For 24 years, I had been a promoter and supporter of women entrepreneurs on the public stage, speaking in the newspaper, writing column. Everybody knows me here locally. And all of a sudden, I felt like God paused my life for some reason. And I couldn't figure it out. I honestly couldn't figure it out last year. I couldn't even figure it out halfway through this year until probably halfway through the year when I was speaking to my best friend from life. We've been friends since we were four. And I was telling her about, you know, 
what I had learned. And she actually decided to fund this book. I said, well, Linda, I can't, I can't put the message in the lessons that I've learned in a book form because I haven't really been working. And she actually wrote me a check on the spot to be oh, able to fund the book. Um, she said, your message needs to go out, Tracy. And I said, I know, you know, I've always known people were wonderful, but I never, I was privileged in the sense that I I look good and can afford good clothes and drive a nice car. And all of a sudden, I didn't feel like I belonged in society because I was bald. Mm-hmm. What? Wow. What a harsh way to learn that lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had many difficulties growing up. And part of that is in my book because my the publisher wanted me to talk a little bit more you know, I was a, a child of multiple divorces, uh, fire in our house on the night of my ninth birthday. Um, we were robbed a couple times. I've had difficulty, but I've always believed that internally, I've had this tenacious spirit and positive outlook on life that has always shined through any of the difficulties. And so God pausing my life with the alopecia to me is one more of those hardships, but I've come through other ones. Mm -hmm. So I know I can get through this after I get through the acceptance of of who I see in the mirror, totally in a 100%. And I think like when you lose somebody to death or to divorce, you know, you just don't get over it in one year because you should. You know, sometimes it takes three or four years to go through the grieving stage and the acceptance stage and all those stages. And I think it's absolutely the same with losing your identity. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I could speak to, you know, our military that lose legs or people that, you know, have to deal with amputees or other things that happen to them, but I'm sure they go through the same kind of grieving process until they can accept who they are now. Mm-hmm. There's a new group of individuals that I that I fit in, and I'm fine with that. I'm mm. still healthy, and I have a loving husband and sons and people that love me and support me, and, and what else could you ask for? Mm-hmm. Well, you're talking now about gratitude, bringing gratitude in, and not pretending that this has not been difficult and painful and a loss, but you're also, I'm hearing, bringing in the, this, this part about, and yet, look what I have. Mm, absolutely. And renewing my vows last week on, in, on Sanibel Island with my husband, we renewed our vows. We'd been married 30 years, and we had our two grown sons wanted to come with us and came with us and stood up for us on this gorgeous beach in this beautiful island. I was so happy. Now I wore my new wig for them and for the you know for the photos but I didn't need to have my hair or a nice dress or this beautiful location to be happy I was happy with the blessings that I've had in my life which are my overall health and my husband and my sons and the ability to travel to places that I love so uh, as much as what we look on look like on the outside matters a little too much in American or maybe global society. Mm-hmm. To make ourselves happy really is about spending time with the people that we love and being happy with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're a different 
at kind of advocate for women um, as you've gone through this experience. Is this something that has changed you in, in terms of your ability to advocate for others? You know, it's so interesting because everybody that has known me, I have a husband and two sons and I'm very much, uh, you know, a sports girl. And so there's very much a male side to my, to my personality and interests. And there's a very female part because I believe strongly that women face too much inequality in this world. And so my whole business and my whole purpose in life for the past 24 years has been trying to help women make more money through connecting with each other you know, helping, you know, with pay inequality issues and, and such. So what happens with the alopecia that's really interesting is, and this is part of maybe my lesson (laughs) to learn is that, you know, there is as many men that come up and speak to me about their losses uh, in their life or people that they know that they have cancer. And so I think that God said, Trace, you know what? You've been really focused on only one segment of the population for a long time. Guess what? And um, there are other, there are men as well that, that maybe you need to be connecting with as well. So I think this experience, you know, health issues in general, balding specifically, have something Mm. to do more with me opening up the horizon to who I speak to. In my heart of hearts, I am pro-female, 1,000%. But when it comes to being a human being and loving others, I don't exclude, you know, men from that from that circle. So, And you've had some pretty amazing role models. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? For oh, my gosh. Pro-female role models? Oh, yes. I think you interviewed one of them recently, uh, Catherine uh-huh. Switzer, my favorite, favorite uh, woman in terms of, you know, if people know me as a feminist, um, Catherine is the example to me of um, a woman who took a situation that happened in her life, which was embarrassing and being attempted to being pushed out of the Boston Marathon just because she was a female and rising to that occasion and taking that circumstance to literally change the world Mm, for women mm, running. mm. And, you know, I really do believe in fate and and her and I met very um, unexpectedly. I had typed in the word fearless in the word in Google to find a speaker for my, um, for one of my events. And I thought, you know, I know women need to be more fearless and I'm going to find somebody to come and speak. And Catherine's name popped up. I had Mm. no idea who she was. Uh And only after her and I had two conversations on the phone where we were on the phone for two, you know, for an hour each time. Uh. And then meeting her in person, did I say, oh, okay. You know what? She was meant to come into my life at this time because of the lessons that that she could teach to me and the fearlessness that I needed to move forward in my life in many different ways. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she's been she a is, model. She she is a model and so beloved by so many mm-hmm. individuals, and I feel mm-hmm. blessed to 
to know her, and I got the chance to run in the Boston Marathon in 2017 with her as one of the 110 women that ran in Boston. I had never done a marathon before, so mm. I um, that was one of my most exciting life experiences. Oh, it must have been. Yeah. And I've also seen you photograph with Billie Jean King. Yes. You know, part of what I added, um, and this goes a little bit to the zestful aging, when I was very involved in my son's lives, I created my business in order to be sort of a part-time mother, but but working during their whole entire um, high school, or really all school years, uh, into college. And when they left, I all of a sudden said to myself, as many empty nesters do, okay, well, what am I going to fill my life with now that my sons are gone? And I said, you know what, I'm going to give myself a little bit of time to figure that out. And what I realized, because of my sports background, because my parents were physical education teachers, and that's how they met, that I filled my time with sports. And so six years ago, I added to Women Ties, my company, a women's athletic network where I bring women entrepreneurs together to do adventures and athletics with and to support female sport teams like the SU women's basketball team. Again, from the inequality, equality issue. Mm -hmm. But because of that, Catherine helped me connect with the Women's Sports Foundation, which was founded by Billie Jean King uh, 44 or 45 years ago. And I was invited to go down last year and interview some of the amateur female athletes coming up and looking for jobs or looking to continue their careers. And if you want to talk about amazing women mm. that the media does not report enough on, it is these Paralympic women mm. that have have done great, great things. So I got to meet Billie Jean King, which was a highlight. Oh, um, Catherine and her, you know, Billie Jean might get a little bit more um, recognition, but Catherine is, is definitely her equal when it comes to accomplishments. Mm -hmm. So yes, um, and I'm going to be heading down next week again to do some of the mentoring. Wow. That sounds fantastic. As a tennis player, that's pretty. Okay. <laughs> that's like sort of the, the you can't get much uh, higher than that. That's wonderful. So um, you have a book coming out. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, I would love to. I have for the past, um, gosh, I think 15 years, every single Wednesday, written something called a Wednesday Wisdom, which is an inspirational editorial piece. And then it has information about events and women have loved my writing. So I've, I've been used to writing for many years. And when this experience with the message under, it's called the message under the rose colored hat was happening, I felt it had to be something that was put into a, a small inspirational book form in order to um, hopefully inspire others to be more compassionate in this world uh, with others and to accept people as well. I don't know if you have a lot of red hat listeners, but um, you know, in my life, I feel red, the red hat sort of represents diversive um, and non-inclusive um, attitudes where I think the rose-colored hat and the message that I have learned is just the opposite, that people are yeah. so wonderful and so accepting in this world that that message had to get out. So the book has a little bit of my history and the women who have been role models through my alopecia 
struggles and and then ends with the lessons that I have really truly learned, which we've spoken a little bit about on this phone call. And so it's going to be coming out in December 2019. And I am looking to speak across the country and the globe on the lessons as well. So I think it's going to be interesting because I'm going to speak in the beginning, dressed with my wig and everything on. And then in the middle of it, I'm going to take my wig off. Oh, wow. That is, I'm sure that will be very poignant. And then I'll end with my rose-colored hat back on mm-hmm. because it's about the accepting of what makes me feel comfortable and what how everybody else should feel comfortable kind of within their own skin. Boy, we need that message right now, Tracy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much good in the world. I, I just want to share more of that. And I don't blame all media, but, you know, we we need to focus. I mean, you have to be informed and know what's happening. Mm -hmm. But there's so many good stories that are not shared. Mm -hmm. So this is one of them. Where can people find out more about you? They can find out more about me on, I have two websites. I do have a personal website, which Mm -hmm. is uh, www.tracyhiggenbotham, which is Mm -hmm. T-R-A-C-Y. H-I-G-G-I-N-B-O-T-H-A-M.com. Okay. And then that's got my speaking and other information. That's where the book will, will be once it comes out in December. And then also my company, Women Ties, mm-hmm. www.women, plural, W-O-M-E-N-T-I-E-S.com mm-hmm. um, is my business. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I'm hoping that our audience will feel inspired and some sense of optimism as well. We're all really desperately needing that right now. So I think the timing was perfect. And um, and I'm I open to speak to email with anybody that has any issues with either whether it's going through the menopause part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, graciously, I guess, alopecia and not empty nesting, because again, that's another, another subject that women don't, you think about getting married, you know, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have kids. And then it's kind of like, and then what happens? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy system. You love them in a way you can't even believe you can love someone. And then right. you're supposed to just launch them. Yeah, yeah. I just Hi. think there's a there's a flaw in that system, right? There is 100%. I told my sons, um, when I was with them, I'm like, I'm gonna hug you every day this week when we're together because I don't get to see you. They both live in New York City. And they're like, Oh, mom. And I said, You'll see someday. Come on, give me a hug. Uh, <laughs> right. So. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. In this phase of our lives, we're more aware that our time is precious, and we certainly don't want to waste it taking care of stuff that we no longer need, left over from a life that we are no longer living. We know we would feel better with less clutter and more open space, but we don't know how to get there. 
If this sounds familiar, I'd love you to check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. This course is different than others you may have tried because we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and tools to help you face the overwhelm and feelings that come up when you're going through your clutter. It's practical and realistic, and the lessons are short and punchy and very manageable, but it has the power to change your life. We all deserve to live in a peaceful home without the chaos of too much stuff. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.